She's Tori. And he's Nick. And this is I Want to Rewatch. An X-Files adjacent podcast. In search of... Troy. This episode, story and production, is by J. Francis Hitching, and narration is written by Robert L. Long. It is edited by Bill Voigtlander, with assistance by Lewis Friedman, and the series, of course, is hosted and narrated by Leonard Nimoy. This episode aired on Saturday, March 11th, 1978. She was the most desirable woman in the world, the fabled Helen. Wife to the Prince of Sparta. So beautiful was she that a rival prince stole her away to the kingdom of Troy. Thus Helen became the face that launched a thousand ships. Each ship carrying a hundred Greek warriors set on revenge. For ten years the ships were beached while armies laid siege to Troy. The great walls of the city could not be breached. But the Greeks found another way. Were Helen and the Battle of Troy just the dreams of an ancient poem? And then we see a man running, which will be explained later. Homer wrote that Achilles chased Hector around the walls of Troy. 3,000 years later, a man of flesh and blood would relive the chase. He was a man possessed. His mission, to find the fabled city and the Trojan horde of gold. <gasps> In search of Troy. <laughs> Doesn't really have that, like, gravitas <laughs> for title. Really. But, it doesn't, yeah. no. No. Theory and conjecture. You know the story. I have more of an observation than a hot take. Troy, as an archaeological site, which we see in the episode, looks a lot like high-end Mystery Hill, and I feel that would have been a better, though still blatantly incorrect, comparison than the use of Crete in Strange Visitors, our second episode, mm. when they tried to compare the stuff in, uh, is it New, was it New Hampshire? I think it was New Hampshire, right? Yeah, yeah somewhere around there. Yeah, um, with Crete and everything. So, and that's when we first met Hans Holder. Oh, <laughs> it so, is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a bastard. Anyway. <laughs> Listen, maybe we're wrong. He literally <laughs> did communicate with ghosts and he is just trying to share his experiences with us and we're the assholes. Maybe. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> so the episode tells us that where Europe and Asia meet, Great battlements once protected the rich farmlands where the mountains met the sea. The ancient Greeks called this land Ionia. Today, it is known as Turkey. And then Letter Nimoy comes on the screen and, you know, gives some, what is it called? Like a headshot. So his camera's on his face. Mm-hmm. Are we going to get any fashion him, discussion for this episode? You know... I mean, he looks good. He looks fine. I didn't. There was nothing like super notable about his outfit this time. Okay. I didn't. Yeah, I'm always. Like, I mean, it was nice. It was just like a standard. It was a pretty standard, like, 
I think it was a, a turtleneck or something. Like it didn't look. No, very... I think he had a wide collar shirt and a jacket in this one. Oh, maybe I that's think. what it was. Yeah, it wasn't I something think. that I was like. It didn't stand out to me as like, oh, that's such a cool outfit. It was just like, oh, okay. There's I might be thinking of the next episode though. Yeah, I can't sure. remember which was which either. Yeah, they've kind of blurred together for me, unfortunately. So Leonard Nimoy tells us that few Westerners travel to Turkey these days, and even fewer to the countrysides beyond Istanbul. Not Con- Constantinople. Constantinople. Oh, gonna say, yep, gotta, yeah, I can't, I cannot hear the word Istanbul yes. like on news or anything, and not say not Constantinople. Yep, so. they might be giants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're a good band. I saw them live once, and I I learned about them from Tiny Toons. <laughs> yes, yeah, I think I did. Too, that's where honestly. I learned that song first time. So. Yeah, I think me too, to be honest. So, but long ago. Things were different. That is shocking news. The land now known as Turkey was the crossroads of the known world. Ten centuries before Christ, 3,000 years ago, the Greeks were just beginning to explore the shores to the east. The people of Ionia were said to be rich from precious metals and trade from even further east. The Greeks would eventually establish colonies, then cities, and a new civilization. But as the colonies flourished, mainland Greece was on the brink of disaster. For a time, the colonies seemed to be the only hope for the future. Mm, No, no. And I have to say, when he says, like, new civilization, like, my brain just went to Star Trek immediately, even though I know, like... Yeah, I think that might have been a little much. That might have been a little (laughs) much. Yeah. Yeah. Greek religion, their gods and mythology, as well as mortal heroes, were brought to the colonies. Mm. And then we are told that in 8th century BCE, and of course, in search of is like, before Christ, because they're all about before Christ. So... Very Christy. Anyway, yeah, I think we learned BCE is relatively isn't that relatively new in terms of like discussing yeah, it, well, from the past. BCE was around when I was in high school. So we're talking okay. like forty years ago. But yeah, <laughs> it's just like before common era as opposed to using like the Latin because BC is well, a lot of people say it's before Christ, but it's actually Latin of like before is Christos or something. I don't know what the fuck the Latin yeah. is anyway. Same with like Amenodani after after death is what a lot of people say it is, but it's not that. Um, but yeah, but I think BCE, I think it was, I think it was a, they were trying to pull the like religion out of it so much. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, that makes sense. Make it a little more secular. Anyway, we were told that in the 8th century BCE, the poet Homer is believed to have traveled across Ionia. And that storytellers would gather to hear and tell stories. And it may be here that Homer first heard of Troy and his great battle. <gasps> that means he didn't write it. He heard it. He stole it from other people. Oh, no. Anyway, <laughs> it is unknown if Homer knew the actual location of Troy, but he drew inspiration for his retelling of the story from his own birthplace, which I, they don't tell us where his birthplace is. So I I didn't look it up. I don't know if like he was born in I don't yeah, don't know. Anyway, the Iliad told the story of the invasion of the Greeks, but did not mention the story of the horse filled with soldiers. So they never tell us where that comes from. But yeah, they don't. Well, I think that's what was confusing because like they also kept showing us this um 
they have a replica of like a giant horse behind like uh-huh. a wall and they're using a lot of footage of that like they're relying pretty heavily on that one. Yeah. <laughs> they, they do talk it. later about like how Virgil expanded on the story so maybe Virgil I don't know I've I've never read the Iliad and I've never read the Odyssey either I mean I know the stories but I've never read them yeah so. I read part of the Odyssey in high school because we had to but I don't you haven't read like the whole thing, and I definitely haven't read. I mean, they could be totally wrong. Maybe it is in the Iliad, and just the search was wrong. Who knows? I don't know. So. <laughs> I don't either. Yeah. Anyway, by the 18th century, most scholars believe that the fall of Troy was either pure fiction or was drawn from events that occurred elsewhere. Mm. Some even disputed the existence of Homer himself, <laughs> ascribing his works to an anthology by several writers. So, like the Bible. Yeah. There were a few eccentrics, however, who believed otherwise. The most remarkable of these was a self-made millionaire named Heinrich Schliemann. We're told Schliemann taught himself to read the Iliad in Greek, and it would become the focal point for a lifelong obsession. By 1870, Schliemann had made fortunes in both Russia and the gold rush of California, he traveled to Turkey willing to spend every penny if necessary to discover the city of Troy. He began a survey of Turkey looking for landmarks from the Iliad. He found nothing in the locations believed to be candidates by those who believed in Troy. Before giving up completely, Schliemann had one final test. The most ridiculous test. Oh, God, ever. it's so stupid. And I'm pretty sure it's just made up because it's stupid as hell. Yeah, it seems like the kind of story you tell in a bar. Yeah, like, well, and also, we'll talk about it later. He has a history of making things up, so, mm, yeah. Not surprised. The Iliad denotes the time it took Hector to chase Achilles around the walls of Troy. So Schliemann ran, and the time was wrong. Yeah, no shit. Also, ballsy, like, he's gonna, like, I could run as fast as Hector and Achilles. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Well, that and like, okay, assuming that the Iliad is like a historical record and not fiction and assuming that that time is accurate and assuming he runs the exact same time, like, I know he's trying to map out where the walls were, but how would you even know the exact, you know what I mean? Like, what would your exact route even be? Like, I don't know. The whole thing just seems very ridiculous. Yeah. Also, again, having not read the Iliad. I don't know if we're talking like like stopwatch time, like it took like five minutes and 37 seconds or like what the thing is, like what he's comparing it to. I mean, obviously it was wrong, but I don't know what the what the scale is that's being used. Did he say like four hours? Did he say, you know, I have no idea. Yeah, exactly. So but yeah, also there, there are no walls that you could see. So how are you, what are you running around? You, right. Like, what do you consider the route around it? Like, where's the edge? Yeah. So, yeah, it's and the reenactment is ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. It's kind of funny. (laughs) Like, that was probably the funniest part, which is this guy running around. Like, I don't know. It's good. Yeah. Especially the music. They play, like, this weirdo-ass music, too, while he's doing it. It's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. His detractors thought him a fool or mad. Schliemann decided to search elsewhere, slightly north. And there he would encounter his destiny. (gasps) Ooh. He selected the highest mound and ordered his men to dig, even though his critics scoffed. Oh, no. However, there Schliemann found the ruins of a great civilization. 
But were they the remnants of the fabled city of Troy? I don't know. Were they? <laughs> I don't know. A treasure trove of artifacts uncovered by Schliemann shook the academic world. And we are told that... Clearly, the ancient craftsmen used techniques more advanced than many in use today. Why did they vanish after accomplishing so much? So we got to get that bullshit in there. Just got to uh -huh. get that bullshit in there. Yep. <laughs> I mean, maybe they disappeared because they decided to vacation in Atlantis and then it sunk. And then they're like, oh, crap. Yeah, entirely possible yeah. or at least as possible as anything presented. Yeah. Strangely, however, we are then told that many of the artifacts found were similar to those in use by the people of Turkey today. <laughs> okay. So, okay. <laughs> but Schliemann would need more than these to prove he had indeed found Homer's city of Troy. And it's commercial. <laughs> yep. So he did find stuff. Some he did. Thought. He did he, find stuff. Yeah. So they yeah. did excavate several sites. Jewelry and that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. It took Schliemann four years to excavate what he believed to be Troy. In fact, he had discovered nine cities and he had no way to determine which, if any, were Troy. The site Schliemann called Troy, too, showed evidence of a great catastrophe far beyond that of war likely a volcanic eruption which they don't really say but they show like lots of stock footage of volcanoes erupting and talk about how like the stone walls are like melted from heat so like i mean it's 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 said yeah. but it's not they don't directly just come out and say like a volcano exploded could have been death beams from ufos it's true i mean it was just a lot of heat so yeah i'm sure yeah. that's a possibility in Troy 6, he found massive walls that may have been the ones described by Homer that hid Helen, causing the battle to rage for 10 years. Ooh. So we do see this really, I mean, it looks like a solid stone wall. And obviously, if it's been there for 3,000 years, even like underground, it's it's probably pretty solidly built. But it does not look like something that would take 10 years to penetrate either. If well, it depends on what effort. they were using to defend it, too. Yeah, yeah I guess so. Do they have cannons back then? Probably not. No, and I don't even know that they had, like, real, like, archers and shit, honestly. I mean, they would have had, like, yeah, I don't know. My knowledge is not great. Also, the when this, when Troy existed and when, like, this site existed, or we're going to find out not the same. So Yes, um, true. Yeah, anyway. However, in Troy 6, while structures were similar to those of Troy 2, it is clear that influence were being absorbed from other cultures. Alexander the Great had built a temple at Troy and believed the words of Homer to be fact. And also, I guess we should note, like, obviously, there's strata here. And so, like, the older cities are below, and those are the low numbers. And then as we get closer, the numbers get higher. So, like, Troy 2 is below Troy 6 and uh -huh. 5 and 4 and 3. So, yeah probably specify that anyway as rome grew its empire virgil embellished the tale of homer making troy a sacred city schliemann believed this was the city he had rediscovered but was he only seen what he wanted to see <laughs> and then we get the weirdest bit of narration in the episode i think possibly so complete was schliemann's dedication to homer's troy 
that he had taken a young Greek woman to be his bride. He thought she had Helen's blood coursing through her veins, and in a way, all this effort had been intended to restore her heritage. The greatest prize he had not been able to give her. Yet as he was about to give up, Schliemann made his most fantastic discovery. <gasps> he saw a glint of metal and then ordered his wife to send away the workmen. And we are told that in four years, his men had removed 325,000 cubic yards of earth. Ooh. I don't know what that really, like, I can't visualize that. So. No, I have no idea. It just sounds like a lot. Yeah. But now Schliemann was going to do it himself. And we see, like, in the reenactment, he's, like, rolling up his sleeves and shit. Like, getting down to business and kind of climbed out in the hole. It's ridiculous. Anyway. He found 31 large objects of beaten gold. And in total, the treasure trove included 9,000 small pieces. Wealth beyond imagining. So he smuggled out most of the treasure, even though he told the Turkey government that he was a chariot with him. But he basically stole it all. That's cool. Yeah. He smuggled yeah. it out of the country. Yep. Yeah, and there's even photos of, like, his wife wearing, like, all the stuff that he says is, like, the jewelry of Helen, even though obviously it's not, because we'll find out later that it's not the right time period. <laughs> anyway, which she was, she'd have been, like, well, well, we'll get into that. She'd have been, like, 24 at the time. So, I think, I think that's what my math works out to be. Anyway, no, maybe even younger than that. Maybe, like, 21. Mm. Yeah. Eventually, the collection found its way to the Berlin Museum because he was German. Even though he had lived in the United States, he lived in Russia, he, he was a German person. He was born in Germany. So, mm -hmm. Schliemann. In the closing days of World War II, American and Russian forces closed in on the city from opposite sides. The museum fell under Russian control, but the treasure of Troy was already gone. Yeah, the whole time this was playing, I was just like, ah, oh, fucking Nazis. <laughs> like, God damn it. Every fucking time, it's like, oh. Although, funnily enough, it's not their fault. <laughs> we'll find out. Anyway. Oh. But, you know, like, I don't know. They use the same stock footage and stuff, and we had seen that yeah. episode on, like, Nazi treasure, and so that's all mm -hmm. I was thinking of. Yeah, was so like, that's what you're expecting. Yeah. yeah. And they proposed that in the episode too. Like, did the Nazis steal it? Did they hide it and no, and then they died and no one told them, or did they take it with them as they fled to go to right, assume yeah. Argentina or something? So yeah, happily perhaps Schliemann didn't live to see the day that the prize he struggled so hard to win would vanish again without a trace. Oh no! And then there's a commercial, and then we come back. Yep. Little has changed in Turkey in the hundred years since Heinrich Schliemann came here to play out his dream of finding Troy. Caravans follow trade routes that were ancient even in Homer's day. Old men still sit in the shade and tell stories. It is the custom here, and was so long before Homer's time. Tragedy and disaster are also familiar in this fable land. In 1976, an earthquake killed hundreds of people and left thousands homeless. There was no warning, just sudden and savage destruction. A dazed and heartbroken people began to rebuild, even as they mourned their dead. And then, like, there's the most horrifying B-roll of this, but, like, they show a guy, like, holding a dead child. Mm -hmm. And it is yeah. incredibly, like, I was like, oh, my God. 
Like, yeah. I don't know. I was pretty shocked by it. Cause like, you, you know, it's obviously horrific what happened and I'm, lots of people died, but like, you usually just don't see film of that kind of thing. And I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. Cause at first you just see people sitting in the rubble as one like holding their eye, like maybe her eye got injured and in, you know, like debris or something like that. But then, yeah, it's the dude. You see this dude, and then they pan down, and you, they like, and they hold the shot for like a long time. Uh-huh. Like this dead child just laying there, like prone, and you're like, "Holy fuck, dude, really?" Yeah, I'm like, "Oh, you could have maybe edited around that. I don't know if it's necessary for this." Anyway, just wanted to point that out. It gave me a few nightmares. It's fine. Modern archaeologists believe the same fate overtook ancient Troy. That around 1300 BC, a violent earthquake leveled the mighty city. Before the city could be rebuilt, barbarians attacked from the north and put the survivors to the sword. Damn. I know, that sounds rough. Perhaps we can be forgiven for preferring to believe that Troy met its end gloriously and for the sake of love. Aww. (laughs) I mean, not that, like, probably hundreds or thousands of people didn't die during 10 years of war. Right. That sounds pretty horrific, actually. So yeah. I don't know that either is good. Yeah. I mean, not that kidnapping is either, if you like just stole some. People yeah. That's the things. thing. It's like, I don't really know, like, this. I mean, I know the basics of this Hell of Troy story. Like, I think everybody does just cultural osmosis, but like, I don't actually know if they loved each other or if she was kidnapped or what that situation was. So I don't. It doesn't matter. She was beautiful. And so she was basically just a possession. <laughs> Yes, so. I mean, that is the gist that I've always gotten, so yeah. I don't know. Yep, and then it's over. Dun, 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 dun. So. All right, then. Well, so the November 24th, 1976 earthquake was a magnitude of 7.6 and resulted in 4,000 deaths. Oh, that's awful. Mm-hmm. Since yeah. then, there have been over 15 magnitude 6.0 or more earthquakes in the region. On February 6, 2023, a magnitude 7.8 earthquake struck southern and central Turkey and northern and western Syria, which was then followed by a separate magnitude 7.7 earthquake about 11 hours later. It was the largest earthquake to strike Turkey since 1939. There were more than 10,000 aftershocks in the three weeks that followed, over 500 registering over a magnitude of 4.0. Official casualties in Turkey are listed as 50,783 deaths, 107,204 people injured, and 297 people missing. In Syria, the death toll was 8,476 deaths with 14,500 injured. Ooh, that's awful. Yeah, and I had originally thought that the separate 7.7 earthquake was just like like a big aftershock, but it was actually a sep- a completely separate earthquake. Oh, like, wow. And so they both had like – and I'm not sure if that 10,000 aftershocks and the 500 over 4.0 were the two combined or if those were only for the first one. But like it had its own series of like aftershocks, and some of them were like 6.1 and shit. Oh, my so gosh. Were, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. And then, of course, Syria has been in – basically just destroyed over the last 10 years from Mm -hmm. yeah (sighs) (sighs) so schleeman i don't like schleeman i've never liked schleeman (laughs) and then 
Honestly, after 2016, I have liked Schleeman even less, and you will understand why after okay. for a little bit. I don't know so, that I've ever heard his name, so I'm curious. Yeah. So he was basically a liar, a con artist, and a thief who got lucky and probably did as much, if not more, damage to archaeology and history as he did good. Like I said, I'm not a fan. And while he's not, like, at the top, he is definitely on my time machine list. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Johann Ludwig Heinrich Julius Schliemann was born on the 6th of January in 1822, and he died on December 26th, 1890. Mm. So there is a link in the show notes if you're interested about the first 29 years of his life. I'm sure he did plenty of shitty things during that time as well. But we're going to jump ahead a little bit to 1851 when he went to California and started a bank in Sacramento buying and selling over a million dollars worth of gold dust in just six months. Oh, wow. And I'm pretty sure this is like $1,851 million. Right, so, yes. Yeah. Schliemann also published what he said was an eyewitness account of the San Francisco fire of 1851, which he said was in June, even though it actually took place in May. Mm. And at the time of the fire, he was in Sacramento running his bank, and he used the report of the fire from the Sacramento Daily Journal to write his report. So again, making shit up. Mm-hmm. So as for his gold business, when the local Rothschild agent complained about short weight consignment, Schliemann abruptly left California claiming he had ill health. Oh, yeah. 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 So he was sending, I'm sending you a ton and he was not sending a ton. So, you know, or whatever the amounts were. Yeah. Probably, he was just probably not, probably not tons, but you know what I mean? So, yeah, he was fibbing. So then in April 1852, he went to Russia and there he married the niece of one of his wealthy friends on October 12th, 1852. And this isn't a big deal, but I'm just going to mention it because it's going to come up a little bit later. So this wife was only four years younger than he was. So not okay. not too disparate of ages. Yeah, that's so, not. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. In Russia, he apparently cornered the market in indigo dye and then went into the indigo business. He also supposedly made a fortune as a military contractor in the Crimean War from 1854 to 1856. It is reported that he cornered the market in saltpeter, sulfur, and lead, which are the constituents of ammunition, which he then resold to the Russian government. So there's no citation for this. So I don't know where this information is coming from. I don't know if it's true or not. Um, again, Schliemann likes to write things that aren't true. Because he wrote mm-hmm. like memoirs and stuff. So we don't, I don't know where this information came from. It came from him or someone else. So yeah, citation needed on that part. In the episode, we are told about Schliemann not finding anything in the location that he believed was Troy and then deciding to excavate an area to the north. In fact, that area to the north had already been excavated by an English amateur archaeologist, Frank Calvert. And it was Calvert who identified the location as Troy and suggested that Schliemann dig there on the land that Calvert's family owned in Turkey. Schliemann was at first skeptical of digging in this location, but was persuaded by Calvert. So, why would Calvert want that? Well, because he basically wanted, because Schliemann had money. Oh! I I don't think Calvert did. So, yeah. I don't so think he was they just were... like, I think there's stuff here. Why don't you excavate it? This could be Troy, wink, wink, wink. Yeah, so almost like a reverse of like the Tutankhamun stuff. Okay. With Carnarvon and Howard Carter. Like Howard yes. Carter did the work, but Carnarvon had the money. Here I think it was like Calvert had the information, but Schliemann had the money, and then Schliemann also did the work, unfortunately. <laughs> so 
1870, Schliemann began digging and by 1873 had discovered nine buried cities. There are reports that Schliemann took advantage of Calvert, which I'm not surprised by, because Calvert was apparently very insecure because he was also self-educated. But unlike Schliemann, who was like, fuck yeah, I know what I'm doing, do, 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 do. Calvert was very, like, kind of, like, demure and, like, very, like, withdrawn and okay. afraid that people were going to, like, make fun of him because he wasn't officially educated. So, okay. Yeah. So two different personalities and one basically steamrolled the other personality is basically what happened. The day before digging was to stop on June 15th in 1873 was the day that he discovered the gold. He wrote that he had seen the gold glinting in the dirt and dismissed the workmen so that he and Sophia could excavate itself. So that's the story we're told in search of. Mm -hmm. However, Schliemann's off-repeated story about the treasure being carried out, they like said, like, Sophia carried out the gold in her shawl, like, hid it and all that kind of stuff, right? But that was totally untrue. He later admitting that he made it up because at the time, Sophia was not even in Turkey. She was in Athens because her father had died. Oh, no. Yeah. So, so anyway, he did smuggle the treasure out of the country and into Greece. And then the Ottoman Empire, who were in charge of Turkey at the time, sued him in a Greek court. And he was forced to pay a 10,000 gold franc indemnity. But he instead sent them 50,000 gold francs and was then given permission to do further excavations. That's kind of strange. Weird. No, weird. What a coincidence. Yeah. And then he would continue (laughs) excavations until his death in 1890. So on Sophia, she was obviously not the woman he married in Russia because we were told that Sophia was Greek. Right. Uh-huh. So Schliemann divorced his first wife in 1869. He had bought property and settled in Indianapolis, Indiana, in the United States for about three months to take advantage of Indiana's liberal divorce laws. Oh, what a dick. He obtained the divorce by lying about his residency in the United States and his intention to stay in the state. And then soon as the Indiana court gave him his divorce, he left to Athens and then married Sophia two months later. Oh, God. And on that love connection, a former teacher and Athenian friend of Schliemann's, who is the Archbishop of Mantinea and Kinuria, sorry, I don't understand Greek names, helped Schliemann find someone who, quote, was enthusiastic about Homer and about a rebirth of my beloved Greece with a Greek name and a soul and passion for learning. So the Archbishop suggested the 17-year-old Sophia, who was a daughter of his cousin, Schliemann was 47 at the time. No. She's gross. Oh, this guy's the worst. Yeah, so she was 17 and 69. They found the gold in 73. So, yeah, she was was like 21. So, yeah. Also cool, we talked about swastikas in one of our Kolchik episodes, The Horror in the Heights. Yes. Well, it turns out that in his excavations at Troy, Schliemann found many swastikas adorned on pottery and consulted with Aryan nationalist Emil Luis Bernoff to identify the symbol. Claiming that the symbol was connected with the Aryans, Bernoff adopted and popularized the swastika as a symbol of Aryan nationalism. So Mm. Schliemann's consulting with Bernoff is likely why the swastika became the Nazi symbol it is today. Oh, God. Wow. (laughs) This guy just keeps getting worse. You're like, wow, this guy's bad no he's kind of a okay he's a scam wow okay and now it's like holy shit this yeah. guy's the fucking worst all right anyway yeah his excavations have been condemned for having destroyed the main layers of the site and many significant historical artifacts he, they literally blasted their way into the earth they used like 
explosives. Oh, jeez. Um, so, yeah. Additionally, his Trojan treasure trove actually dated to nearly a thousand years before when the historical Troy would have existed. Okay. To exist, yeah. Right. And we know that for reasons here. So, given the time period of this episode, I had expected a search of suggest the Russians had stolen the artifacts from the Berlin Museum, you know, because we're like in Cold War time, mm-hmm. but it didn't. And I was like, oh, wow, it must have really just like the Nazis totally stole that shit. Well, it turns out in 1939, all the exhibits in the Berlin Museum had been packed and stored in the museum basement because war was starting right there. Like, right. you know, things are going OK now, but you never know. So let's let's be prepared. They were then moved to the Prussian State Bank Vault in January of 1941. Later in 1941, the Trojan treasure was moved to the Berlin Zoological Garden, and three crates containing the Trojan gold were protected by a German archaeologist until the Soviet troops took the location on May 1st, 1945. On May 26, 1945, Soviet forces took the three crates away in trucks. The crates were then flown to Moscow on June 30th, 1945, and we know all this because in 1994, the Pushkin Museum in Moscow admitted they had the entire collection. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, it's great. It's great. It's great. It's great. Yeah. And speaking of Kolchak, there's no mention of the fact that Helen of Troy reappeared in Chicago in 1975 <laughs> after centuries of killing people to obtain her youth and, you know, beauty. So, you know, yeah, come on, get on it in search of. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You would have known. It was 75. You should know about this. What's going on? Yeah. Oh, dear. But yeah, Schliemann, not a good guy. No, um, clearly not. No. Yeah. One of those guys who kind of, I mean, he did have, he had talents. Like, he was a polyglot. Like, he taught himself multiple languages. Supposedly, he he knew 18 languages. I don't know how fluent he was in all of those. Reportedly, right. he could speak fluently in all of them. I mean, maybe maybe he one of those people who just was good at languages. Apparently, he developed his own system and can learn language in six weeks. So, wow, I would love that yeah. system. That's cool. So, I mean, I'm not saying the guy was like unintelligent or anything. Right? He no, obviously he's had talents, a, but he just huge. used his talents to like scam people. Yeah, yeah. So, and got lucky a lot. Um, he actually went to California because his brother had been doing gold trade in California, and then his brother had a heart attack. And I think died. Oh, and so God. he went to California and was like, oh, hey, I can make some money doing this, especially if I cheat people. Yeah, <laughs> so. no kidding. Jeez. I mean, a lot of people came to California in like 1949, 1950, 1951, around that time to get rich off gold. Yeah. Not many of them did. And I don't know how much of that is genetic or learned behavior, but like one of the reasons why Schliemann himself was self-educated was because when it was time for him to go to university, they couldn't afford it because his father, who had been a pastor, was arrested for stealing money from the church. Oh, <laughs> so, oh geez. Well, I guess yeah. you do learn from your parents. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Not a great dude. I actually I was not looking forward to this episode because I thought it was going to be boring. But... I actually found this one very entertaining. I didn't know all that stuff about Schliemann, but like it's silly. Like you see the guy <laughs> yeah, running true. around, and then later they have the reenactment with his wife, and he's like, he like he's like go. Like he doesn't actually. There's no dialogue really, but like you know that we get told that he tells her to have the men stop work, and she like runs off and starts yelling at the and men. They're just like, to, like oh, what? Stop. The dudes are like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. Yeah, I know they're very confused. It's pretty funny. 
So the reenactments were funny. I thought the episode was interesting, but I don't feel like I walked away. Knowing anything about Troy. <laughs> yeah, I felt like I didn't really learn anything about like where, like, I don't, I guess Troy probably wasn't a real place, but like, you know, I don't know. I just feel like I didn't really learn much. So it maybe could have been structured a little better, but it wasn't boring at least. So yeah, I think they that. believe that it was a real place, just like, you know, whether like the Battle of Troy was you know right was exact or not is you know probably embellished obviously i mean it was later embellished so i'm sure you know like homer learned the story from people and so like that story had probably been built upon and then he built upon it and then other people built upon it so that's how it goes yeah who knows what actually really happened if yeah anything, and as far yeah. as schleeman goes i mean honestly i kind of have a theory that anyone who is known from like the period of like the late 1900s was basically like a dirt bag. Like if you know their name, it's because they were a <laughs> dirt bag and just made their money like the wrong way. I mean, that's, that's the same time as like yeah. the bone wars with like paleontology and like competing like archeologists or paleontologists, like blowing up bones that other archeologists had found because they didn't want them to find them. And oh. just like, it's nuts. So yeah there's a lot of crazy yeah. stuff there's also a time when you could just make shit up and there was no way to check it and people would be like oh yes you know? right so, <laughs> i know yeah, I mean, yeah. it was a lot I mean, easier to be a con person back too, then no one bothers to check anything but then even if you want to check it it was often oh, difficult true. to do so so mm-hmm. yeah but no i enjoy this episode and as much as i despise him I did enjoy learning some additional details about him that I did not know about the whole swastika thing. Yeah, and that's the, fascinating. Uh, the dirty divorce and that kind of stuff. That he, yeah. <laughs> okay. And he, he had he had he had three kids with his first wife. I think a boy and two girls, and then he had two boys with Sophia, and named them after characters in um, the Iliad. One of I can't remember the first ones, but one of them he actually named Agamemnon. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> so, Agamemnon Munch-Sleeman is floating around somewhere. So, uh, yeah. That's funny. I mean, probably dead by now, but yeah. Yeah. Yep. Oh, cool. I Want to Rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and recorded in collaboration with Black Cat and Orange Tuxedo Studios. Episode production, design, and editing is by Lazy End Productions. Our music is Dark Science by David Hillowitz, and the truth is what we make of it by the Agrarians. I Want to Rewatch is where we talk about the X-Files and X-Files adjacent television and films. If you like what we're doing, check out our show notes for ways to support the podcast. And of course, tell a friend. We'd love to have them join us. Speaking of which, be sure to join us next time, and together we'll try to figure out if if the the truth truth is still out there. The truth is what we make of it.
So anyway, enough of my flaws. Let's do That's some okay. in search of. <laughs> oh dear! Oh dear! <clears throat> oh fuck! I need to get a little rubber cap for this piece of the shelf. I keep cutting my finger on it. Oh, All right. No. Well, if I wouldn't rub it, it would probably not do it. But I rub it out of like whatever my ticks are that I have to do. They're constantly doing something. Okay, 